Hey all, welcome to another episode of Drama Diving. Actually, this is episode 40, which I'm pretty stoked about. Um, we've been doing this for uh, just over a year now, and we've got 40 episodes. Uh, we're going to be joined from with Ed from South Jersey Scuba and Amanda from Scuba Johns. Uh, I affectionately call it Scuba Amanda's because that's who really runs that operation down there, and we all know it. Uh, so uh, we are going to be discussing uh, basically getting varied dive sites uh, for you training wise, uh, for practice, for what instructors should use. Uh, feel free to go ahead and throw your comments up into the, the comment area. Um, there we go. Bill Bigelow with a big congrats. Thank you coming in from the YouTube side of things. Uh, I did post up the YouTube uh, link. I believe it's saying it's having trouble, but I post up the YouTube link. And uh, the our actual YouTube channel has got its own name. We don't have to use the fancy, all the bunch of letters and things like that. Uh, Tom, we put up a couple of different things. You might not have got a notification uh, for that, but we put it up a couple of times uh, before just now. So maybe you just didn't see it. I'll call you personally next time and make sure you get him, Tom. So that's what we'll go ahead and do. But uh, without much more delay, we are going to bring in... Uh, Ed and Amanda. So I'm going to bring Ed into the stream here. I'm going to bring Amanda hello. into the stream here. Hello, hello. How are you guys doing? What's up? Not doing much, good. Man. I love the shirt, Amanda. I love the helium. I love it. Right? <laughs> it's great. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Oh, Ed, you brought up a very good point. I need to get my whiskey. Um, so uh, while we are doing that, we are discussing getting a varied... Uh, varied experiences for training and for personal personal training. We'll start with personal training and then go on to like you guys teaching from there. So Ed, what's your philosophy on mixing up dive sites? Um, I mean, it's got to be one of the best things you can do um, just in general for, you know, your, your personal training, your personal growth as a diver. Um, I mean, you can go from, you know, some, some easier diving where you can see stuff and then everything kind of goes out the window when you can't, uh, so, you know, and getting more used to that aspect of like, I can still function in low visibility just as good as I can, you know, in, in really good visibility, um, can really kind of amplify your, your confidence and your skill set. Uh, so it is, a you know, a highly sought after, um, aspect for, um, you know, any diver or any professional that's uh, kind of aspiring to it as well. Nice. So uh, before I run over to Amanda, what dive sites are you using actively that you, you are practicing on different things? Oh, me? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, before I so, go to Amanda means you, you it's not me. <laughs> uh, so right now we use um, all of our, all of our Jersey wreck boats and whenever we can get out and have um you know, dive sites that are suitable to new divers, advanced divers, anything that we can do on a boat. We really prefer to do that. Um, and then our main controlled environment right now for open water is, uh, is still Dutch Springs. Um, so obviously, I'm sure everyone already knows, you know, kind of the whole Dutch Springs thing going on with, this, with the sale of Dutch. Um, but outside of that, we have a number of, you know, reservoirs, lakes, and, you know, inlets, around our whole coast that we still can use. Um, so it's not a complete lost cause to, um, to us if, if Dutch Springs does unfortunately close up. 
All right. And we'll come back around to that, but thanks for that. Um, Amanda, what's your philosophy on different training sites? Well, obviously the more diverse your training is, the better a diver you become. Um, I've personally had the experience of diving and, you know, zero visibility, close your eyes. And that's about as good as you can see. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, I've had people come, you know, professional level from Hawaii or other places where there's just clear visibility. They jump off the boat and they get back on and they're like, take me to the dock. I'm not, I'm not ready for this. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I feel like obviously the more diversity you have, the better rounded diver you are. So. Nice. And what different dive sites do you guys tend to utilize down in South Carolina there? All right. So we've got, we've got a, we're truly blessed with like a lot of local dive sites. We've got Lake Murray, which is, you know, right here in the Lexington, Columbia area. That's one of those, you know, close your eyes and you can see a little bit better kind of sites. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but we've got that. That's got a lot of history under it. We've got Lake Jocassi, which is our primary training site. That's got a lot better visibility. We're looking at, you know, 15 foot instead of less than five. But then we've got Clark's Hill Lake, we've got the Cooper River, we've got offshore Charleston and uh, offshore uh, Merle's Inlet, Myrtle Beach area. So we're we're really lucky. We have a variety of, of sites varying on invisibility and challenges as they come. So excellent. So you personally, what do you personally saw, seek out to, you know, um, either do warm up dives for the season or continue your training. Cause I think everybody here is doing continuing education, continuing training, figuring out some things and then doing some shakedown dives at the same time. What do you personally go after there, Amanda, for trying to find some personal training grounds? So my favorite personal, like getting ready for a big dive sites are our bridge, the Wiseberry bridge at Lake Murray. It sits in 80 to about 140, 150 foot of water, depending on where the lake levels are. And sometimes it's literally a, a touch and feel dive. Sometimes it's, you know, you've got five to six foot of visibility, but it's a really good warm up dive for basically anywhere you're going. And then my, my second favorite is the graveyard up at Lake Jocassi, which has a lot better visibility, but it's still in that 150, 160 foot mark. So it's a good warm up dive if you're getting ready to go off on some tech dives or, um, something like that, but the navigation and things like that are the challenges to that particular site. So. Excellent. So nice. So I was hoping you'd get at that, the graveyard one. I definitely want to come down and maybe make a weekend of a Clemson game and then uh, come out to the, uh, come out to the graveyard at some point in time, Lake Jocassi. I'd love that. Uh, 23rd, do it. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'll see if I can get approval from the, the boss and see if I can get down there. Um, so admittedly, I ran into a situation when I was becoming an instructor where I had the 100 dives I needed, just the 100 dives I needed to become an instructor. And 95 of them were at the, essentially the exact same site, like almost the exact same site. And I thought that this was perfectly fine. I thought that I was perfectly ready. Uh, I thought that I knew everything that I could possibly know. And now um, I've said it on the show a couple of times, but essentially I did one dive 95 times. I didn't have a hundred dives. I just had 
one dive. I just happened to do it 95 times over and over and over and over again. And that was definitely not the way to go about things. I didn't even know what din was when I showed up. I didn't know what necklaces were. Like I had no clue what was going on there. Um, Ed, have you had any similar experiences to that or, or seen some things? I mean, I don't want you to throw anyone underneath the bus or give any specific no, no. examples or anything like that, but you know, um, just a general disclaimer overall, we'll, we'll keep it nice, but you know, some, some things you might've seen in your tenure. Uh, I mean, primarily I look at my own experience. So I originally certified in, you know, the Florida Springs in December and it's 75 degrees and it's like crystal clear water. Uh, we did Ginny Springs, we did Blue Grotto, we did Devil's Den, and uh, God, by the time I, I certified, finished college, moved back up to New Jersey, um, my first day at Dutch Springs was like, what the hell is this and why is it green? Yep. Some, somehow I dove Dutch Springs in April, it, it was 42 degrees, and I'm in a seven mil suit, I just remember scraping bottom like, what happened? <laughs> and then and then same same idea you know it kind of living up north it's um i mean you you really would be surprised at the quality of diving that we can get off coast but some of those days are not that easy either i still remember like my first day out off barnegat light doing the first dive and they're like we're gonna hit a wreck and we get down and it's it is in pieces and there's a boiler and they're like that's exciting and i'm like what is this and it's just one of those things, like the, the more you do it, the better it gets. And then you start to appreciate it and, and like it. Uh, so it really is kind of the nature of the beast. And, you know, again, like living up this area and uh, it's either. I mean, obviously you have you can dive, you can dive anywhere you want in the world. But if you're not in the budget to travel and you need to get wet, you kind of pick and choose where you're going to go. And so we got to make the best of it. Yeah, absolutely. Really is, uh, it is worth it. Okay. Yeah. And do some practice dives and figure out exactly what you're getting yourself into. So, Amanda, have you had any similar experiences to like myself of being unprepared and thinking you were completely pre prepared or in, in that route? Uh, or were you blessed? Uh, again, I'm going to go with I was blessed. I was lucky. Um, my original training dives were in Lake Jocassi and Lake Murray, um, which mm -hmm. is where I now do open water. So I feel like that was the a good experience for me. Um, I didn't go to the Springs until I had been certified for, you know, three or four years. So I was like, clear water. What is this? Ah, <laughs> yeah. I can see things. Um, but uh, yeah, so I feel like getting, getting certified in that lower visibility definitely helped me. Um, and at the same time, I feel I, I feel like I know that I had a good experience getting certified originally and, and working up to the professional level. Um, I, I, I dove for 10 years before I became an instructor and had well over the minimum hundred dives. So I had a lot of, a lot of different dive sites before I ever even thought about becoming an, becoming an instructor. So I feel like I was lucky in that aspect of things. I, I didn't feel like I had one, one five ninety five times, but you know I have seen that a lot. You know. Yes. Yeah. And that that's around, and and it is what it is. But that's it was nice that you had all that experience before you went ahead and did that. Um, one of the things that Ed might experience, and I'm not sure if you you experience it too, Amanda, especially with the, some of the offshore stuff of people being like, well, if you can dive here, you can dive anywhere. Well. 
yes and no. There's there's differences in that. Like, yeah, I've got zero viz, really thick gloves on, and it's probably a little bit easier for me to transition to clear water. But at the same time, clear water, that thing that it looks like it's right next to me is 60, 70 feet away, and people are making mistakes in that route. Or there's upwellings and downwellings and all sorts of different things in the tropics. Um, I really dislike that terminology of, hey, if you dive here, you can dive anywhere. And that's what, I mean, it made me super duper cocky and got me into some interesting situations that I got probably lucky to get out of. And because I thought if I could, I can just dive off of North Carolina and I'm good. You know, I could just, I've got, I've got 10 dives. I can dive off of North Carolina. I've got 15 dives. I can do some deep stuff in Aruba or whatever. And and that got me into some trouble. Um, Ed, what's your thoughts on the, if you can dive, especially in you, if you can dive in dirty Jersey, you can dive anywhere. I mean, it's definitely one of our favorite quotes. Um, yeah. It's, it's on the back of the hoodie I'm wearing now. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of believe that, but you, I mean, you're not wrong. Um, it can definitely prepare you for some of the tougher situations, but um, it doesn't mean that, you know, anybody that dives better conditions than us is, is any worse off than we are. I mean, like you said, um, but we just got back from Costa Rica two weeks ago and, I mean, we're diving there with, with some heavy current and surge, and some of the, the visibility we had was, was like, worse than I've had off a of jersey, yeah. you know? And we don't usually have you know, that kind of current and, and surge like we had down there. I mean, we had – the last couple of dives we had was, like, two, three foot of visibility, and we're like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it did help that the group that, that we had with us was, um, you know, a, a really good group of, of competent, uh, you know, northeast divers that have – some of that jersey boat experience and they have some of that varying uh, experience already but you know again it's not to say that we're better than anybody else because you can you can find tough conditions anywhere you go even if it is 85 degrees you know it it doesn't matter yeah i think your direct quote was that some of the diving we did here is harder than some of the stuff we've ever done in new jersey so yeah (laughs) when we were talking about it yeah Yeah. it's it's something very different and in all fairness if you can catch a lobster in New Jersey, you can definitely catch a lobster anywhere because they have these little, they don't even have claws. You know. I, I don't know. The lobsters <laughs> in New Jersey move really slowly. Touche. Really slowly. <laughs> the, the bigger they are, the slower they are. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And the more they want to fight you. <laughs> yeah. They're, they they like to go after you in New Jersey. The other ones are quicker, I guess. Yeah. You're right. I guess. Um, I guess I fell into my own trap there. So, uh, Amanda, the, the terminology, if you can dive here, you can dive anywhere. What's your thoughts on that one? Uh, we've used that one a lot. I'm guilty of using it myself, um, but I, I feel the same way you do because there are different different challenges everywhere you go. Um, most, I would say the majority of my diving, obviously, is going to be in my local lake, which is 10 minutes from the house, and that's mm-hmm. Lake Murray. Visibility on a good day, six foot. But I went and prepared for my cave class in this lake. And then I go down to cave country and I literally can see nonstop. And so I'm, because of my muscle memory and everything else, I'm hugging the bottom and, and everything else. And it just messed up. Uh, it messed up my cave class. And my instructor was like, do you just need to not be able to see? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um mm-hmm. But like it was an adjustment period to being able to like, oh, I can actually stay 10, 15 foot off the bottom and still see the bottom and it's yeah. okay. You know, we're 
you know, here, like I said, in Lake Murray or even Lake Jocassi, five, six foot, you're, you're used to hugging the bottom and, and things like that. And so I feel like there's different challenges, no matter, no matter where you go, you can find, find the challenges for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's, we're going to have different answers on, on, in slightly different ways on this one, but the, I think the idea is the same. So coming into the season, well, let's put it this way. Ed, what's your deepest dive? Not to like compare numbers by any means, but like what's your deepest dive? Just so I can give you a reference point for the question. 130. 130. All right. So Ed, do you just immediately April, May just kind of drop to 130 right off the bat? No, nah, not, not the preferred method to, uh, get into the season with no no um because i know you're coming from more of the recreational standpoint and amanda and i are coming kind of from more of the technical standpoint and amanda you i'm assuming that you don't just go ahead and do i mean i just saw you on the u-boat i assume that you aren't like oh yeah like april's like a great time frame it was like that's our first dives of the year let's just go ahead and do the u-boat like is that a well, is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know, Jason. I never stop diving. What do you do during the uh, winter? Well, I, yeah. <laughs> well, when it gets hard, we take the chainsaws out and we cut holes in the ice. So I don't. <laughs> it's just a different type of diving because the uh, water's hard. <laughs> yeah, I do build up dives before before any big dives like that for sure. Yeah, I get what yeah. you're getting at. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. The, the starting point of your season depends on what you think your starting point of your season is. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, we, we do some build up type stuff and things like that. Um, especially since the good point, I do most of my build up stuff with Dana from, from hunts and he wanted to say hello to everybody cause he's, he's here and hanging out. So good old Dana. Um, so, uh, so build up dives, basically trying to figure out getting some varied experience, getting, getting back into the thing, shaking off some of, you know, maybe the equipment stuff. Maybe we had a change of equipment. We got a, we got a nice holiday gift of some short in some way, shape or form that we got a heated vest or something we need to figure out and things of that nature. Um, a new camera lens for Amanda, perhaps that we need to figure out like how we balance things. Did you get one? I nice. did. Excellent. Um, so very nice. Um, I know the the hot topic is Dutch, but but we'll kind of give a rundown. Generally, Dutch Springs looks to be closing in the next year or two, which causes a lot of a lot of ripple effects for a lot of people's training and things like that. Um, Dutch is a tends to be like a larger quarry, so we have a lot of different areas where you could go within the same quarry, but it's still the same general conditions throughout the year and stuff like that. Um, so my question is is have you seen people that have any quarry, any dive site? Have you seen people that have done all of their training exclusively in one single location? And what is your thought on that, Ed? Like everything, essentially. I mean, um, I mean, yeah, Dutch, Dutch would be my, my primary uh, right. uh, you know, reference on that. Um, I think I feel like some of the some of the divers that I know that. Um, Doug will sleep. I'm on, I'm on stream. Get out of here. Go. Uh, I'm, on, I'm in the middle of a family vacation. Doug will sleep. Come on. <laughs> I love it. Give, give him that Jersey sass, man. Come uh, on. Anyway, um, you know, I know a few divers that they're they're good divers. They're really good in the quarry. I think sometimes it uh, if they're like exclusively exclusively diving that site, um. 
I feel like they, they sometimes kind of psych themselves out and we're like, they, they're not like they, they can take the next step. They can do something else, but they get so used to and so comfortable in one location that a lot of times we find them like not getting any salt on their gear and it's just all, you know, one location. You know? And that's fine. If that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. You know, we, we don't, we don't judge anybody that it, any dive is a good dive. Right. So yeah. that's fine again, but, but getting back to the broader topic is we would really like to see them take the next step and, and just try something else. Like, you know, we, we have, tons of spots you can get into that are it's not all deep dark scary and cold so you know we can we can get anybody out off the boat and do something reasonable like you know that's how i feel like just just find them being a little apprehensive sometimes they're just so comfortable in that one spot i think yeah you're in the comfortable area it's a fear of the not it's you hate to say fear of the unknown but it's the ah, i don't know what that's like i know what this is like sure. i'm comfortable there I'm, i might as well just stay there why would i why would i leave and go someplace else so right. Um, Amanda, you're going to have different sites. I mean, Ed and I are up in the Northeast, which tends to be Dutch, but you guys tend to, to utilize some things probably closer to you guys, um, possibly like Grotto and stuff like that. But uh, what are your thoughts on people who have done like all their training essentially through in one little tiny spot? Well, well, like I um, referenced when we first came on. Um, so on Lake Jocassi, we, we partner with another dive shop and we run dive boats and that kind of thing. I've had people get on the boat who have done all of their dives and completely clear, you know, tropical waters like Hawaii or Bahamas or something like that get on the boat. They go five foot down. They're like, nope. And they're back on the boat. They're done. Take me to the dock. I don't ever want anything to do with this again. And um, so I've seen that before. And then I've also seen a, again, kind of my situation where like, everybody's dove in completely low vis where you've got to be, you know, this far from the bottom to see the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then you get to clear water and, you know, we're hugging the bottom and everybody's way up here. And we're like, they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> 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 Why are you way down there? And um, mm-hmm. so, again, I, th- I feel like where you train has a lot to do with how you dive. And if you don't vary those, those circumstances, you're, you're not necessarily a well-rounded diver, no matter how good you are in your, your backyard, so to speak, you're, you may not be a diver if you went, you know, somewhere else that had completely different conditions. Yeah. And a lot of times you don't realize what those different conditions are. And I mean, I I mentioned like Dana Hunt, he's up in the St. Lawrence river and um, a couple of the Jersey guys came and we keep hearing Jersey's so crazy. Jersey's so crazy because we're fairly close. Like, Oh, Jersey's this crazy diving, crazy diving. And then some of the Jersey guys come up and go, Oh my God, what is that river? Like that current is going to rip my arm off. And you're like, what are you talking? Like that was like a regular dive. Like that wasn't the the dams weren't open. Like we're, what are you talking about? Um, So, so different. Like, you're so used to something that you're like, that's nothing. Um, and trying to get that varied experience, you might not recognize that. Do you, I mean, Ed, you've got the Jersey scary, but you know, what, what around you is kind of that thing that people come down and you're like, uh, I don't even understand what, what our issue is. Um, I would probably, uh, you know, I hate to keep, keep like talking about it over and over and over again, but, um, probably our, our entire, you know, just wrecked out conditions off the coast. Um, like, yeah, some of the sites that we pick are a lot of times sub 90, 100 foot, but usually it's for the better chance of better visibility. Because if you are diving inshore and you do have some more water movement, you can get less visibility. So it's not that every dive here is really like an advanced dive, 
Um, but it's usually to the benefit of the diver to experience better conditions. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you really would be surprised. And that, that's why, you know, you, you've seen, like, I've done a lot of video um, mm-hmm. just to show people more times than not that I'm out there. I mean, we have 20, 30, 50 foot of visibility, and it's not even nearly as bad as anybody would think. Uh, yeah. And it's just a matter of playing the game. You get out once, it's doo-doo. You're like, this sucks. Yeah. You, you, I, I tell everyone, you got to usually give it two, three, four chances. Um, that may sound like a lot. I mean, it's a little bit of an investment getting out on the boat sometimes. But, you know, you go out once and it's no good. You go out again, it can really surprise you and kind of change your whole attitude toward it. And it, it's not that bad at all. Nice. Um, and this is pretty much our entire audience over 18. So you can use your big boy words, Ed, there if you want to use your big boy words. That's that's perfectly fine. It's okay. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing for where you guys are is kind of the, the interval, the wave interval when you're going out on the boats is kind of short and it um, can mess with some people a good way that way too, right? Yeah. So, you know, we take that into account. Uh, and that's why it can be tough to do like an entry level or, or, you know, open water class out on a boat because you're not just dealing with, with the dive conditions alone. Uh, you, now you're dealing with, with the boat, obviously motion sickness, you're dealing with diesel fumes, a lot of these subconscious things that can really kind of, kind of play on someone's, you know, uh, play in their head before they even get in the water. It's, it's gearing up, it's getting hot. And then you're jumping into water that's 55, 60 degrees or so. So there's a lot of factors that unfortunately aren't always just dive related that build up that anxiety by the time they get in the water. Um, so yeah, that part for a beginner dive can be tough. Um, And not asking for help and communicating is a big thing too on those sorts of things. If you're in over your head with this or something you haven't experienced before, you're just starting to get those experiences. You gotta, you gotta make it known that you don't have those and that you you're looking for help and you need help. And, you know, I've seen people that are trying to muscle through some things, get themselves into a world of hurt there. Yeah. So, same. Yeah. Um, Amanda, what's unique in your area where you kind of, um, besides the skeletons and, and spooky <laughs> things and Halloween themed of Lake Jocassi down there in the, the cemetery that you decorate for Halloween or something. I don't know. Uh, it's also, that's a different cemetery. This one's a oh. real cemetery. So. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Watch deliverance. It's in that one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Love um, it. I don't know. Like, uh, so I'll, I guess I'll kind of leave Joe Cassie for this one and go to Cooper River, which is another yeah. one of our popular dive sites. Um, it's very, very little bit. Um, um, if you don't have a super bright light, it's literally like this much. You can see mm-hmm. um, everybody calls it uh, blackwater diving, which it is. Um, it's high current that changes with the tide. So it could be an incoming current. It could be an upcoming current. And um, it just depends on the time of day. We're literally stabbing screwdrivers into the ground to kind of work our way along and look for fossils and that kind of thing. Um, so that would be probably the the one that I see people least prepared for. Um, just because it is so many things at one time. It's low vis, it's high current, it's you're not being neutrally buoyant, not touching the not touching the coral kind of diving. It's very um, full contact sport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's the one I see people freak out on the most, I guess. Um, fun fact for uh, for Jersey diving, when we were training for the uh, U869, we went and dove the Cooper to get some current and some low vis. We went and dove Murray to get low vis and depth. 
like we we varied our locations that we would match all of those um all of those conditions that we had been told would exist and then we got there and it was like freaking picture perfect so i don't know i appreciate it but uh-huh. <laughs> yeah there's like yeah. 70 foot of viz we're like whoa this is awesome yeah but, um, it was yeah, and that's like you targeted stuff, right? That's that's part right. of the thing we were trying to get at and, and getting around to is you pick certain things and you're like, we're going to do X, Y, and Z because we're going to experience X, Y, and Z. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, so that's huge. And that's one of the, the conversations we're having with this whole thing of, hey, you know, when you know you're trying to get somewhere and do something, let's go ahead and try to hit these parts so that we can prepare for, for this. Like I try to make sure that I bring people up to the St. Lawrence before I take them to New Jersey. So um, like Brock threw up here an advanced dive in the St. Lawrence is completely different than an advanced dive in the Caribbean, which it absolutely is for lots of different reasons and different ways and things like that. Um, oh, Amanda, you left out one massive thing. And I just remembered it because somebody typed in Cooper into the chat. Why would you dive the Cooper River? There might not be people on here that understand why you in the world you have screwdrivers and you're crawling around on Cooper River. Is it like just like on Sunday you decided that you needed to bring a screwdriver and go to Blackwater? Or is there something in the Cooper River that makes you want to go there? I should have brought visuals. No, it's you should have. We, uh, we the shop. Ah, okay. Oh, fail. No, we're looking for um, artifacts and fossils. We look for meg teeth that are like this big. We have. Um, we find bottles. We find old arrowheads. Um, my personal prize is a capybara tooth. Fun fact: capybara used to live in South Carolina. Go figure. Wow. Um, nice. So yeah, I found one like this big. And uh, that's my personal prize. Um, but yeah, we have. Oh, John brought me one. Look, Meg Tooth. Oh, nice. There he goes. I knew he was on here. He was trying to get in touch with me about my car extended warranty. He said so. I figured he was around somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So we, we find these guys and bottles and and all kinds of other um, teeth and bones and that kind of thing in the Cooper River, which is why we're willing to strap screwdrivers to our wrist and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, so are there any warm-up dives you do for Cooper River to make sure you are prepared for Cooper River? Because some people might listen here and be like, "Oh my God, I'm going to go find a Meg Tooth because I want to want a Meg Tooth," and then. So for warm-up for Cooper River, we go to Lake Murray for low vis, and we go to Lake Kiwi to what we call the hot hole, where they um, use the water to cool the turbines at the power plant, and it mm. shoots it out and it has a fairly strong current. So we use that for the current training. So. so it's warm, fast current water. Yes. Okay. We use it during uh, during the winter. Oh, and this is my mastodon tooth. John keeps bringing me things. That's okay. John <laughs> can bring you as much as you want. You are on a little delay. Oh, mastodon tooth, nice. Yes. I love it. John's just gonna keep bringing random crap in from yeah, here on out. Is what's got what you've started. Bring it as he brings it in. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that works. Excellent. All right. So. Um, Ed, when, I don't think I asked you this. When, when you are getting ready to do some of the deeper wrecks out there um, as you're bringing people out, are there specific wrecks that you kind of go to that are kind of your your key off ones? Because I've got ones when I go to New Jersey, when I'm prepping people for New Jersey, I'm like, I want to see you on this wreck and this wreck before I really want to take you. Um, normally, we do it as a, a wreck class, but... Sure. Nice. Uh, Amanda's got bottles. <laughs> yeah, she's got bottles. Yeah. Uh, 
usually um if we're using the gypsy the, the we like to use the pinta um the pinta is a nice piece it kind of lays on its side uh 85 feet to the sand 65 feet to the, to the top of it um pretty easy to navigate but it and it's kind of a, you, you kind of get a mix between a piece that's more intact and then you also get a whole debris field um to kind of work on running a reel and you know proper line running and all that all that good stuff too um so that's one that we really like to put people on early uh kind of do shakedown early in the season uh if we get uh some cape may boats going um there's some on the cape may reef that's like 65 feet to the sand uh the red oak is one that would be like a perfect entry-level dive you can hit that thing at like 45 feet right to the deck it's upright intact you really can't get lost on that and then 65 feet to the sand um, but like i said before the, the visibility that shallow can start getting a little bit tougher um, but again, that's kind of on the radar. If we do some stuff out of Cape May, um, but again, central to Northern Jersey, we, you know, we like the Pinta, uh, Tolton's like 95 feet, but there's less, uh, less relief. So we do like to get something that's a little bit shallower on the, the relief spectrum and then kind of work them up to the Stolt or the Algol, um, just cause you have such a, a big profile that you can get on. Uh, yeah. And that's what... For the non-wreck divers, relief means basically the height of the wreck so that you can you can hit multiple levels and, and kind of be protected from some things and stuff like that. So it's how much how far it comes off the sand. Did you freeze there, Ed? He Looks froze. like he froze. Oh, Ed froze. So um we do a lot of we try to like the uh we go to the St. Lawrence River, we get a lot of current and we uh we try to hit up some of the wrecks that are uh, a little bit bigger wrecks that are up there. Um in preparation for New Jersey or in preparation for doing like the Jodry up here, which is a bigger dive if, if someone's trimix for stuff like that. Um, so there's lots of options for training. If you're looking around that aren't just these quarries and things like that. And then on top of it, you can visit different quarries, which are very, very different um, in that aspect. Uh, Amanda, do you go up to Dutch or anything like that at all? I have never been to Dutch. I, um, I've been up to a couple quarries in uh, North Carolina and Tennessee. Most of my stuff, when I travel, I'm going south. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So I'm hitting the springs. I'm hitting um, out in the Gulf, uh, like off of Panama and that kind of thing. Or then I'm going all the way down to Palm Beach area and going off of Pompano, that kind of thing, and and hitting some of those deeper wrecks. Um, gotcha. But honestly, uh, for us, I mean, for me to go to say cave country in Northern Florida, that's, that's a five hour trip. That's not, that's not mm. doable in a weekend. You know what I'm no. saying? You, you can leave after work on Friday, be down there at a decent hour, go to sleep, dive all day, Saturday, Sunday morning, and still be home in time to unpack and wash everything and get up and go to work on Monday. So, um, Again, kind of lucky in the location and everything like that. Um, it's the same distance for us to go like off Meg Ledge off of North Carolina's coast um, mm -hmm. and go hit those outer banker ledges um, and some of those wrecks up there as well. So most nice. most of my stuff's been in that southeastern area. Do you instill certain requirements for people who are coming through for a dive master or instructor with you guys? Like, do you guys have um, specific dives you like people seeing people do before they're going to go ahead and do this? Or is it just kind of a feeling and a general um, overall 
experience? So, so our dive master instructor program, we, we don't do minimums. Um, mm -hmm. If you have the minimum number of dives, that's, that's great. Um, but we'd love to see you come and dive with us a few times to see where you're really at. Um, and that's kind of really how it, how it is for us as we bring professionals in and that kind of thing is let's, it's not an at the table kind of interview. I mean, we, we do that, but then we also want to see you in the water and see what your skill level mm -hmm. really is, uh, before we, we get you in the water with students or with, with clients at all. Um, I mean, I guess that's where we're at. There's not necessarily a, a certain dive, but we just want to see where your, where your skill level is. Gotcha. With, yeah. With Absolutely. all that, yeah, yeah, all right. So, um, Cody brings up a good point. Why was Silent Bob frozen on the screen? Uh, Ed has left us, but his better half, Kevin, has joined us from South Jersey Scuba. Um, I was only trying to take one of you guys out at a time, and but Kevin has decided to, to as he normally does, take over where Ed has fallen short. Um, despite the fact that Kevin's shorter, are you shorter, Kevin, or is that shorter? I think Ed shorter. Ed shorter. Ed shorter. Well, we're gonna go with that because he left us. He's definitely shorter now. I mean, even if it was, it was I, I oh my like god, oh lord, he's gonna defend himself. Ed's back. Jeez, look at that. We called in Kevin because you couldn't handle it. Ooh. Were you intimidated? Yeah. He was going to look for some more headphones. All right, Kevin, you've been listening. Um, I'm gonna give you the podium for a minute. And go ahead and give us your thought process on things, what you've been listening to, and maybe give us some feedback. Because you didn't chat in very many times. So go ahead. Floor is yours. Yeah, fair enough. You know what? I think a lot of it does come down to experience. It does matter. Vary it up. Challenge yourself a little bit. Uh, a lot of it comes down to be prepared for whatever gets thrown your way. Uh, a lot of the people that do really well here in Jersey, you tend to see that as their background. Um, I dove South Carolina, uh, so I know that some of the Jersey people go down there and are like, you guys are insane. This is crazy, especially the Cooper. Um, <laughs> thank you, Ed, for throwing me on that trip. Yeah, but, that, uh, was, uh, that was all Kevin. <laughs> once, once I read about gators and rolling trees, I gave Kevin that trip. What's wrong with gators? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, think, I think it was Leanne pretty much banned you from the trip, wasn't it, I think? What? I think Ed got banned because of uh, Leanne. Yeah, it's because I told her about the trees and the gators. That was that. Yeah. Is that her looking at you glaringly to make sure that you don't go on another trip like that? Ooh. Yes. She needs to <laughs> Y'all can come back down. I'll hold your hand. It's fine. Oh, I that love it. Ed. I actually enjoyed it, actually. I, I really did enjoy it a lot. But, again, it comes down to, you know, be prepared for the challenges and realize that all not all – diving is, is going to be plain Jane vanilla, you know? Mm -hmm. Some of my most memorable dives have been like, like the crazy stuff. Like you look back at it and you're like, man, this is on a one to 10 of insanity or craziness. This is probably an eight or nine or, or hopefully not that exceeds like 11 or 12. Yeah. Sometimes. But you're going and preparing for that, right? Like it's doing stuff that that you're getting ready for and it's memorable, but you've done workup dives to get ready for those things. Correct. And right. it also yeah. shows you where, where you might be a little bit short and therefore, Hey, you know what? Maybe I'll go down or maybe I'll go up to visit Jason and, and go get some better training or, or go down visit Sam in South Carolina and go diving with her or, 
you know, Florida, California, and just travel and just enjoy it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So thank you for that, Kevin. So Amanda was just saying that she, they don't have any prerequisites necessarily like specific hard and fast. Like you have to do these sorts of things. Um, and I know you guys are just kind of kicking up your real true instructor training programs down at South Jersey Scuba, but have you guys already established kind of some dives you like to see people do? Um, even if it's not official where you're like, Hey, let's go do this to make sure you're capable type of thing. Is there any dives like that? Um, we'll go add just in case we lose them again. Yeah. I'm up in the Poconos here now. The, uh, the remnants of Ida is going through. So, ah, uh, I gotcha. Family is panicking with getting candles and flashlights. Um, <laughs> I mean, as far as like specifics, um, we haven't really established anything concrete, like specifically you need to do this, 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 as far as like for, for, um, like a, a DMC program or, you know, an instructor program, we want to see them do, you know, a couple classes at Dutch. Um, we would really like to see them get on the Jersey boat and experience it. Uh, because I mean, me and Kevin can't be on every single boat. And if they're going to be an active pro, um, they, they can get a lot more benefits by being competent and, and good on the boats, too. Um, you know, and then, and then we kind of look at the, uh, you know, like the specialty background. If they do deep diver and wreck diver and if they're doing dry suit, we kind of take those things into consideration, too. Um, but, I mean, we don't, unless, you know, Kevin may think otherwise, Lee, they can still see you. It's okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, unless Kevin uh, thinks a little bit otherwise, we don't really have anything specific that's like you need to do this dive and do it well. But, you know, we do like to see that varied background. Um, you know, it, it's going to really make a difference in the training going forward. It's funny to it's funny to just outright put, oh, I need to see X, Y and Z. Because a lot of the prerequisites, if you if they're going for a class, the prerequisites doesn't tell you, hey, you need to have very diving environments. A lot of them just say, hey, you need to have X number of dives. Mm-hmm. Well, so the SDI standards SDI do have the has has the varied ones. Not every organization does, but SDIs, I know for a fact. I mean, there might be other organizations too. I I get it, but um, stating it from there, it specifically says have in a varied varied number of conditions. Um, but and they, that's... Do they specify specialty selection or anything that they recommended or it just says varied environments, varied environments. Yeah. Um, depending on like specifically what you're, what you're saying and looking sure. for, but yeah, like you go to the standards and look at them, but like we always say, you know, just be, be, be assured what you're, what you're putting out there. But um, the idea is, is varied, uh, varied experience. Yeah. There might be something specific that says, well, there are certain classes that say specific things you need to have X, Y, and Z, but, um, but the general one is varied experience. And that's, that's essentially what I'm getting at you guys. Everyone's answer was, well, nothing specific, but like, I need to see a lot of different things. Well, what's a lot of different things? Well, it's just a lot of different things. Like I I'm looking for some things. I can't really tell you what those things are, but there there's different things that I'm looking for and it's comfort. What you're looking for is comfort in, in varied environments. And the way to do that is to put people yeah. in varied environments and then go, yeah, I'm comfortable with you. You handled that. Well, is there one specific one? Like, no, um, there's some fun ones that I like to see people work on. Definitely. Like I like taking someone to the Vickery, taking him to the bow and letting him get blown down to the stern. Like um, that's always fun <laughs> and seeing how they, how they deal with that. Like that's always a good one. Um, 
And there's certain things that you like to show people and see and not put them in danger by any means, but see how they handle things um, in a controlled environment, uh, a way to fail safely, if you will. And, and you want to see that sort of thing. And I think that's what everybody kind of said um, without putting words in your mouths and kind of summarizing what you guys said was, hey, I want to see varied experience. I want to see these different areas. I don't have anything specific, but there is a condition that I would like to see essentially, you know, low visibility, high current, um, hot, fast water, things like that. Um, so yes. Yeah. Yes. Stuart. Stuart knows the Vickery. Yes. Stuart. Hey, the Vickery. Stuart! Yeah. Oh, you've got a whole fan club on here, Amanda. So you better go back through because people are saying all so sorts of South Carolina language in there. I don't know. John might be able to translate for me. Um, so we went to uh, clubs. We should know this. Yeah, I do. And here is the situation is that it when Clemson wins on Saturday, Joseph Glenn has to change his profile picture to uh, beat Georgia with the Clemson logo for a week. So like just this. uh yeah, so on Saturday night, uh he'll be changing his thing there. Like um, Unfortunately, Jason, I'm teaching at USC this year. So when oh, the USC Clemson game comes up, we're gonna have to come up with something. Mm -hmm. We yeah. will come up with something. And that's right, Jess. Go Tigers. <laughs> All right. Um, so back on track because I got completely off track. Uh, Clemson stuff and the South Carolina stuff came through. Um, so uh varied experience. We want to see these different things. We don't have a way to specifically we could say do this dive, this dive, and this dive. But as Amanda said, she prepared for this U-boat dive, and it was ungodly clear. There was hardly any current, and it was. I'm like, pretty sure everybody lied to me about New Jersey diving, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've built this dive up for 15 years, and I got here, and I was like, oh, yeah, probably the easiest dive I've done in New Jersey, just deeper okay. and longer. But I'm sure it could be ripping. I'm sure it could be different. Um, I have friends that have done the Doria that have gone out and were like, this is the this is unbelievably easy. And other ones that it was ungodly hard. So um, varied experience thing comes through there. Um, Stuart. Stuart says uh, the Jersey guys talk big. So we do talk big. So but we uh -huh. don't. <laughs> we're trying not to. It's the whole Y'all come on down here. No, no. no Kevin can go back to the Cooper. I'm good. All right. Next time I so, do about a plane into the Cooper. I told you I would hold your hand. I don't understand. <laughs> you want to do that? Listen, I asked Kevin how it was, and he said it was tough. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and when he says that, that's real. All right. So, Mike Healy, did y'all cover the the benefits that come from doing the same dive 400 times? Um, so there is a benefit from doing that. There is yeah. a benefit from consistency there. It absolutely 100% is that consistency and that uh, benefit from consistent dive over and over and over again and perfecting the art. Uh, but when we come to come to try and process that out of that, there are some challenges that, that come from only doing that single dive. Amanda, do you have any, anything to, or I'm sure you do, but what's your input on that? Um, I, I feel like consistency obviously is a good thing to a certain extent, um, particularly when you are the instructor. <laughs> so there, there's a particular dive set that we use at Lake Jocassi very often. We use it not only for open water divers, but we also use it for tech divers. And it's where we do all of our skill-based dives. Um, just for reference, like a few weeks ago, I was teaching advanced nitrox and deco procedures. 
And I personally had a almost failure. And so um, my inflator hose started leaking and I was like, okay, it's time to end the dive. Well, because I have dove here so many times and I know the dive site, we were nowhere near any lines or any landmarks or anything, but I knew, oh, I need to turn to the right to get to the upline. So I just turned to the right and we ended the dive. Like nobody was, you know, messed up by it or anything like that. And Obviously, if that was a new dive cert for me, I wouldn't have known that, you know, and it would have kind of been more of an issue. Like we'd had to shoot a lift bag, we'd had to shoot an SMB, things like that. But because I knew the dive set, I was like, oh, my inflator's bubbling. Maybe we should turn and end this dive. And and so I just turned and went to the upline and and there was no no issue, you know, and I feel like consistency in that kind that kind of setting is is honestly a good thing and that can be said for any diver i guess if you are diving site that you dove consistently you know where everything is you know how everything works you know what to expect um so there i guess there's less for failure at that point um i guess that would be the the benefit to diving the same over and over again gotcha um Kevin, so what's your thoughts on the benefits of doing the same dive over and over and over and over again, and then um, compared to varied experience? And I've probably blended with 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 varied experience, but um, I think it's the best way to say it. Um, so yeah, and essentially, Mike, yeah, I wouldn't say consistency is better than variety. Mike, Mike, debating back his same point. Is, I guess it's not really debating back, but. Um, but yeah, so um, what's your what's your thoughts on consistency and do, doing that repetition, um, Kevin? So I'm going to break it down by levels. So if I'm an open water diver and I'm just getting used to it and starting it, that consistency is definitely a is definitely a pro in that it allows you then to focus on the skills that you may not be super comfortable with or that you need to work on. Um, so with that, that's a great thing to be doing. Um, up here, people know, we'll go back to Dutch. People know how to follow the ropes and go around it. Mm-hmm. Now, though, here's the, here's the issue, though, is when people become too comfortable with that, then all of a sudden, it potentially breeds complacency. Mm-hmm. And that in diving is the biggest danger that we all run into. As, as you mentioned, you know, early season, do you want to just jump square into like literally potentially a 200 foot dive or 300 foot dive without checking your stuff and doing that? Um, it's very similar situations. Uh, now, knowing a dive site as a dive professional is definitely a game changer. Uh, as Sam mentioned, you know, it changes all the odds into your favor. So if you truly know a dive site really, really, really well, that allows you to handle the emergency situation. That allows you to just, instead of task managing, task loading, it allows you to really just focus on the problem and know everything else. It will will, will fall where it needs to fall. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Ed, do you have anything you want to add in on, on that one? Uh, yeah. I mean, like for us, you know, like again, we're just going to keep using Dutch. Um, for our open water, we have, you know, generally like a, a set, dive schedule that we're doing almost every single class so i mean that's good for our pros and you know we keep it reasonable for the divers get used to the quarry before we just go 
and you know let them go fall off the platforms like so we have a very kind of structured um setup for the four dives that we want to do uh and then of course there's whatever else can happen on those dives as well um but yeah i mean it, it can always change and then again same thing off the coast uh my first day on the stolt was pitch black so i could not appreciate what i was even diving on and then the mm-hmm. next couple times it's a whole different experience when you can see it you can dive it and you can really appreciate what you're on um so yeah i mean having repetition makes you way more comfortable too whether it is that that controlled quarry environment or or a wreck the, the more times you dive it the more confident you are, the more the more easy it is to navigate. And um, but like Kevin said too, you can't get complacent because things are always changing, the conditions are always changing, mm-hmm. and and the psyche can always change. You know, the last thing we need to do is be getting stuck inside something if you're not supposed to be there. So mm-hmm. you know? yeah, and that brings up a lot of good points. Of all right, you've got consistency. You did the same dive. You did the the algal twenty times but you might have tied into a different spot. It, the conditions might be different. So you did the same dive site 20 times, but it was a different dive, completely different yep. dive. So so some of this stuff starts to, to lose its purchase because dive sites are variable. When you've got these super controlled conditions for initial training, that's good. But as you try to try, try to train someone to utilize their stuff outside of that environment and say, hey, you gotta, you're going to do wreck and I taught you how to do wreck on this very, very controlled environment and that you didn't get any of the natural elements and you say oh you're a certified amazing wreck diver and then you send them out and they go to do everybody in the chat's talking about the jodry versus i mean that's more of an advanced dive but they're chatting about jodry versus the 869 in the chat like going out to do that so different like i don't even care if the wreck is the same depth in a controlled environment the jodry is very very different on that the u-boat would be very very different um U three fifty two or um, would be different. Like all these different wrecks are different each day, so it might not training in that controlled environment for those classes can be beneficial, but at 100%. the same time it can be det- detrimental. Yeah. Um, I like to do build up stuff of we're going to train on these controlled sites. All right, I feel comfortable that you're not going to do anything stupid. Now I'd like to show you a real dive site. Let's see how how this goes, and that's kind of how I do it there. Um, and yes, Dana the the Jodry, when I dove the U869, the Jodry is significantly more challenging than what I experienced on the U869. Not Again, varied conditions, varied times. Um, the Jodry is definitely more challenging. So. Well, and, and we see that too. Like you can, yeah. <laughs> you can do controlled environment and you can practice, you know, popping lift bags and SMVs, but it's not the same game if we're off on an active rec site that has 16 divers and half of them are hanging and or yeah. really can't pop a lift bag to the surface like that. So it, it's yeah, and to, to make the adjustments too. And if you lose a lift bag in the quarry, you don't have to call the U.S. Coast Guard and let them know that there is a DSMB floating down the river with your name on it. I don't know if that's ever yeah, happened to anyone before. I did not shoot that lift bag. <laughs> but it had your name on it. <laughs> I know. Now, Kev. It was a really yeah. good Hold one. Hold on, y'all don't down when we get to the surface? Y'all don't, y'all don't go get them? <laughs> Just go chase it. Yeah. No, it was, it was, uh, we saw it. We went by it. We saw it at one point in time. There's no way of getting it. It was gone. We had to call the Coast Guard, let them know there was not a diver hanging in the middle of the river. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that's fun. I think it ended up at the Jodry. I don't think anyone ever picked it up. They ever call you, Kevin? No, but whoever, if somebody really did find it, they got a really Banging deal on a uh, Hollis SMB and a Hollis reel. 
Yeah, that's like a three hundred dollar fine right there. Yeah. Um, uh, and that brings up on DSMBs, put your name, big letters, and write your phone number. So if anybody finds that they can call you and make sure that you're actually out of the water, please do that. If you don't already do that, I would please put your phone number and your name in big letters on it so that no one starts looking for you in that sort of situation. Um, we are actually coming and wrapping around to the end of the hour, and I try to keep it at an hour. Um, you know, I always say it's going to be 30 to 40 minutes, and just in case we go 30 to 40 minutes, and uh, I'm lucky to only get to an hour. So this seems like a good transitional point to try and hit the hour mark. Um, so any closing remarks there, Miss Amanda, before I say my goodbyes? Uh, the more dives you do, the better you'll be, and the nice. more... The more dive sites you do, the more well-rounded well there. That wasn't a southern lazy tongue there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the more well-rounded diver you'll be. Um, I don't know. I do everything from, you know, low vis, deep stuff, all the way to going to Florida and doing, you know, deep diving current stuff in warm water. But I try to make sure that no matter where I go, I'm prepared for what I'm doing. Um, not like some of the guys who are on the U869 with us who had the Florida boy clips. I don't know if you heard Dan fussing about yeah, those. Yeah, I, I heard all about it and I saw it and I decided to not make any commentary about it, but they looked yeah. funny. <laughs> so make sure that not only you, but your gear is ready for the dives you're going to be doing. That's yeah. Uh, what Amanda's referring to is they have these little warm water clips that you can get easily with your hands and they're not the big uh, honkers that we normally use. And uh, they were big, thick gloves and then little tiny clips and don't work so well. So <laughs> uh, Kevin, closing thoughts, even though you're only here half the time or less. <laughs> Kevin, replaced so quick. Yeah, yeah, I'm in and out. Yeah. yeah. So you know what? Honestly, as having been diving for 20 plus years now, um, have fun with this. Definitely, you know, you're not, every dive isn't going to be the same. Always find something new and different. You know, half of what makes Jersey fun is, is not, a, not knowing what you're going to get down there. So pretty much you train for literally as much as you can for everything. Um, other thing I will say this is find a good dive pro to link up with that you really enjoy and, and a dive shop that will support you. So, I'm you know, not listening to you anymore. There's a baby. I know. You're done. You've been uh, – Ed got upset that you took his thunder, and he was like, watch this, Kevin. Your closing thoughts, I'm going to bring a baby over, and everyone's going to stop listening to Kevin. I'm getting her fitted for a dry suit next week. Yeah. I love it. Very nice. She looks much better than she did in the picture you posted. No, that was me you were looking at. <laughs> no, it was the Kevin picture. Uh, <laughs> put Kevin's face on her. Classic. By the way, yes, I make an ugly baby. You do. You, I do. Uh, I'm just not saying. just a baby. You do. Uh, not just a baby, Kev. Is it my turn? It is your turn. Um, um, I mean, I would say that, like, varied environments and everything. Um, yeah, I mean, look at it as a challenge to, to better your diving, but uh, I wouldn't look at it as, like, a negative. Again, if we see it all the time up here. We only have so many options. If you want to be an active diver, yeah, you kind of got to take the good and the bad and or – and that's okay if you just want to go on vacation too that's fine but if you're telling us that there's nowhere to dive and i can't get in the water uh we don't we don't like that excuse up in south jersey scuba so uh, you know we will put you in the water you, you may not always like it but <laughs> we can we can get you in the water that's okay i love it 
What? It's, yeah. it's supposed to be fun. It's always supposed it to be is. fun. It is supposed to be fun. Uh, John Hahnemann brings up a very good point. Uh, I believe you guys are coming up to the St. Lawrence fairly soon, and we all expect soft pretzels from Philly Pretzel Company. So uh, just make sure you have those. My children will be upset if they know that you've come without pretzels. So um, Fair enough. We can do that. Good. Yeah. That works for me. So um, lots of chat in the chatter, um, and all of it's pretty much Facebook with a little bit of YouTube tied in there. Uh, I want to thank all of you guys. I'm going to jump out and say uh, thank you to all of our guests on here uh, or all of our, our uh, watchers here. And then uh, I'll come back and say goodbye to you guys in a minute. So thank you very much for giving me your time. And I'll see you guys in the green room in a minute. All right. Your baby is so cute. Just oh gosh, thank you. <laughs> all right. All right, all. Thank you very, very much for tuning in to another episode of Drama Diving. Um, I'm going to put up again the links for the Patreon. Uh, we truly appreciate it. I know we've been not been on as much as we would have liked to. Uh, it's been a busy season. We're trying to get some things done. Um, we are culminating our uh, getting ready for our Truck Lagoon trip, um, which we are super excited to do with the Dirty Dozen. Uh, and then we just found out tonight that our YouTube has been upgraded to actually have our own uh, Dram of Diving uh, URL. So we've actually hit it to the point where we got that. So that's super exciting for me uh, with doing this. And this has been, like I said, our 40th episode. Uh, super excited to be able to be a part of this uh, and drink whiskey, drink uh, bourbon, and talk diving with all the wonderful people in the industry. Uh, and I really want to uh, thank our guests, especially for Kevin, for making up for Ed dropping out for on us for a minute. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, we'll be trying to put these up on the podcast as fast as we can. And you can find it podcast, YouTube and Facebook. Uh, thank you. And we will be on again. I think we're going to try and keep it the first week of the month from here on out. So um so we're not overloaded. Maybe we'll bring it up a little bit more frequently in the winter, but thank you. Have a wonderful night. Don't forget to subscribe. It'll be a little channel over here for YouTube at the end. Thank you and have a wonderful night.